It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we are going to hit on a few news stories. We've got a new quarterback in the Senior Bowl and some former Bengals players and coaches on the move, landing elsewhere, finding some new homes in the NFL. Then, Jay Morrison wrote a piece for The Athletic today, and usually I agree with Jay, but today I didn't. And we're going to talk about what he wrote and why it might not be the way to go. Then we'll get into a couple more questions from yesterday's mailbag that framed the free agency conversation, framed the first moves of the offseason that we could think about, and then we'll take a look at some free agents from the NFC North teams and the AFC North teams that are done for the season. In Senior Bowl news today, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert has committed to play in the Senior Bowl. He'll probably play for the North, so the Bengals will be coaching against him in all likelihood, but it will be another up-close look at another quarterback for this Bengals coaching staff that's going into this offseason ready to evaluate quarterbacks in the draft. He joins Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love, Shea Patterson, Steven Montez, and Anthony Gordon rounding out the quarterback list for the Senior Bowl. Yeah, Hurts, Herbert, and Love, those are three pretty good arms, but Herbert and Love, I think, stand alone as A-plus type arm talents. And I think, you know, before they'll see Joe Burrow, if he's even there or not, They'll, those guys will jump off the, the practice field instantly. We'll see how they perform against the other top seniors down at the Senior Bowl. Jake Fromm, the Georgia quarterback, he's just a junior, also declared for the draft today, so he'll be coming out early, coming out against some pretty stiff competition, including those guys we mentioned, Tua and Joe Burrow. Other Bengals moves, Andre Smith, the former Bengals tackle, was on the roster as recently as this year has signed with the Baltimore Ravens as they continue their playoff run. They need some depth on that offensive line as they're dealing with some injuries going into their first playoff game. And Ken Zampezi, the former Bengals quarterback coach, lands with Ron Rivera's new staff in Washington, where he will also be a quarterback's coach. I find the Andre Smith move to be interesting. I 
Yeah, they're different players, but I instantly thought of Willie Anderson going to Baltimore to finish out his career when they made a Super Bowl run also. Bobby Williams did too, if I remember correctly. So uh, this is another in the long line of Bengals' former linemen following and going to Baltimore to finish off their careers. TJ Hushmanzada, another Bengal that finished his career in Baltimore. So there's a bit of a trend with Baltimore picking up former Bengals adding them onto their roster at the end of their career. But let's shift gears and talk about Jay Morrison's piece over on The Athletic today because usually I find Jay's pieces to be very well measured. I usually find myself agreeing with many of his opinions, but today he wrote an opinion piece that essentially said 33 needs to be a linebacker or bust. He talks about in that same article the fact that the linebacking class doesn't look that strong and that they might have to use picks they potentially accumulate with maybe transactions for Andy Dalton and Cordy Glenn to move back up into the first round to go get a guy like Kenneth Murray. But he concludes the piece with saying 33 needs to be a linebacker, period. That seems like a stretch to me in a class that doesn't look very strong. Yeah, it's a lot like last year's class where you have a couple guys that are going to go in the first round and then there's a huge gap until you feel like there's a really not even a second tier of linebacker prospects and it jumps into a third tier. And if the need is that great, do the Bengals bypass their board and say, we need to go get the next best linebacker. They didn't last year and they waited on Jermaine Pratt, which ended up being, you know, for the progression he made a decent pick. I think we're still a little early to make any assumptions about the number three, 33 pick we still have the senior bowl. We still have players declaring that, and then we have the Senior Bowl, but then the Combine. And last year, the Combine really shook up the linebacker rankings and the linebacker evaluations for everyone. I expect that will happen again, and we'll have some new names. Maybe it's Malik Harrison or Zach Braun, two guys that are probably late second-rounders as of today and could get pushed up easily as the draft approaches to where they're seen as high second-round picks. That's a good point. It remains to be seen how the stock on some guys that are perceived as third, fourth round linebackers will change during the combine, during the senior bowl, during the whole offseason process. There will be guys that move up. There will be guys that move down. Maybe something will make sense at 33. But so far in our mock draft Mondays on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, we haven't seen a linebacker that has had need meeting value. And in my opinion, there's almost always a way, especially with that 33rd pick, to make need meet value and have a happy little balance of those two attributes in the draft. And it's because when you own that first pick on day two or even day three, you get the opportunity to reset your board overnight. And you may say, all right, but the 16th best guy is there, the 25th best guy and the 28th best guy is there. None of them really fit a need, but the 30th best guy is a position that we desperately need. And you can convince yourself that, now, they, that may be spread out on day one, but when you go to day two, that's really the difference between number one and number four on your board because you're restacking the board. And you can make bad decisions by doing that, but also you feel much more comfortable taking that position of need when he's number four on your board uh, instead of being number 29 or 30 on your board. And there's always a possibility that they come back and they say, we're trading back out of this pick. They've done it before. They'll do it again. They like trading back on day two to accumulate some picks in the middle rounds. Personally, I have a harder time with that when it's a premium pick like 33. And the Patriots might lose pick 32 or 30 whatever, which might bump. Not 32, obviously. They already lost in the playoffs. But there's a chance they lose their first round pick, which could bump the Bengals up to 32 with that pick, making it a little bit more valuable. 
Regardless, you're getting a guy that slipped out of the first round at that point almost always. And so the trade-back scenarios could entice some teams to give up a little bit more value. Last year when the Bengals traded back with the Broncos, I thought they lost that trade, especially when you compare it to some of the other trades in the second round. The Bengals did not do a very good job of recouping value on any draft chart. So maybe this year, if they do decide to trade back at this point, it'll be a little bit different. But at the same time, you just take best player available there, and you might get a guy that you had 15th on your board. And then the previous year was when they traded back, got Jesse Bates. That worked out for them in round two. But then the pick, they come back up in the, into the third round and take Malik Jefferson with that with that extra uh, resources from later in the draft. And that did not work out. So it's always give and take, right? If you hit on both the picks or, or the one you trade back and then the compensation, great. That's bonus. If not, it just feels like you're taking a lesser player sometimes. And it kind of happened just last year where the Bengals end up with Drew Sample and kind of looking at who they could have had, even where they traded back. It kind of just doesn't feel great right now, but there's still a chance for Drew Sample. And we talked about that yesterday. Before we get too deep into the draft, which still has, as Joe mentioned, the Senior Bowl, the Combine. There's also the East-West Shrine game. A bunch of stuff happening coming up in the offseason. Before the draft is free agency, and we've only talked about four teams worth of free agents, we're going to take a look at the AFC North and the NFC North teams that are out of playoff contention today. We're also going to take just a couple of the questions that were stragglers from yesterday's mailbag that I think fit into this conversation because they both kind of ask about what should we be doing as the first moves in this offseason as we get into free agency. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe we've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House. Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. We had a couple questions from yesterday's mailbag episode. If you didn't listen to that, make sure you do. And we wanted to get to these, and we didn't have time yesterday, so we put these and tabled them for today's discussion. We're going to get more into free agency. But lots of you asked about Wade Phillips, and is he a fit for the Bengals, or would they pursue him? I think in the last day and a half, it's been reported, or at least pretty much assumed, that the Bengals will not make changes at either of the coordinating positions. Now, I don't know if that means there's still a job open at linebacker coach or they figure out how to get creative. So I just wanted to put that out there because a lot of you asked. And then the other question that we saved was from at Gaming Soy. And he says, if you could only pick one position class, defensive back, O-line, D-line, et cetera, to work on for free agency, which one should be the main focus, assuming the Bengals make any moves at all? I think that... This is kind of a weird question, right? It's pretty much which is the most important group to target for the Bengals in this free agency period because you don't just address one. It's where are you going to spend the money? And for the Bengals, out of the position groups, you know, you might be inclined to say linebacker, but that's really just one player. Whereas if they go offensive line, for me, they could pick up a couple guys that can make a pretty big difference in 2020. So for me, I think offensive line, just because of the magnitude of difference that you can make there by signing a couple players. And for me, I would have a little bit more foresight. Not that you don't, Jake. I just mean in terms of how I would approach it in like looking at the draft. And we talked about this, that there may not be that option there in round two. And do you want to go back into the the third round? Well, that's been um, cruel to the Bengals in, in recent history for a linebacker. And but I look at the linebacker class and I say, and I'm talking to the free agent class, these guys are going to get paid and paid very well. If you've paid attention to last year's, they Bengals were quickly outpriced by those guys. I think that's why they threw money at Preston Brown. And then you see what Shaq Thompson gets extended for in Carolina just a few months ago. I think like Joe Schobert and Corey Littleton are going to get 12 to $14 million a year because, because the linebacker classes two years in a row have been poor and because only a couple good ones end up hitting free agency. The linebacker position is in a weird transition with edge guys and also safeties all playing linebacker in the college level and just the wide open offenses they're faced against. I, I just think it, we're in a weird situation now where – these guys are going to be valued extremely highly if they're good linebackers. And I think that's going to price the Bengals out. So I'm with you. Uh, even though that's the position I would target, say they have $15 million to spend, go get yourself a starting linebacker. I don't care if it's an overpay because that's what they're going for. Rather than uh, split it up you know, $6 million for a guard and maybe $5 million for a swing tackle. I think that I agree with you. If it's just one player, if it's not a, a position group and it's just one player, I'm going to get Corey Littleton. And I'm going to pay him $15 million a year. Right. And I'm not going to care about it. You might call it an overpay, but I think what we need to do is, as fans is recognize, as you said, Joe, that the game is evolving and that good covered linebackers, athletic linebackers are so rare. There aren't very many of these guys out there. They don't hit free agency very often that when they do, this isn't an overpay anymore. This is the going rate for a good cover linebacker. And just because that hasn't been the case in the past, doesn't mean that it shouldn't be the case going forward. And there's still the argument about positional versatility, right? Or sorry, positional mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. Because how valuable is a linebacker still? The most right. important positions on a defense are defensive backs or your cornerbacks. Then your edge rushers. Then probably your safeties. 
then your interior defensive lineman, then your li- still linebacker comes last. It's like a rare gem that isn't actually worth anything, right? It's like I want it because it's rare because it's so hard to find a good athletic linebacker that can also be physical because you need that. I think that's the hard part. I think we're seeing more athletic linebackers, but I see we're quickly uh, losing them, getting washed out when the run game you know, uh, comes into effect here and you got to go play defense in December and January. And I think that's where the separation is happening. So for me, I would pay for it because they're hard to find, but we have to be understanding that one linebacker probably doesn't change your defense at all. Probably not as much as we wanted to. And so with that being said, let's transition and take a look at a couple teams in the NFC that have a list of free agents to talk about. And we're starting with the NFC North. The teams eliminated from the NFC North are the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. And we're going to start today by looking at the Bears' unrestricted free agents. And they have quite a long list here. And I think this is two years in a row. They've got a linebacker there, Danny Trevathan, who... Bengals fans, I feel like we're asking for not very long ago. He's yeah. 30 years old. There's HaHa Clinton Dix. He's a free agent. Only got paid $3 million last year. Sherrick McManus, who went to my university, Northwestern University. I see that they've got him listed as a safety. He's primarily a special teamer, and I don't know that he's going to command much interest on the market. But looking through this list, Joe, do you see any other names that stand out? No, I don't. Uh, a lot of these guys are just – I feel like they've played good roles or guys that I used to like in the draft, like TJ Clemmings. Uh, he's bounced around a bit at tackle. Um, I would be interested in Trevathan, even though he's just coming off his worst career year as a as a veteran, and he's 30 years old, so maybe he's not the guy you want. He played 559 snaps this year, so he was a, a bit of a – um, injury situation midway through the year and then finish the year on on IR. So, yeah, I'm with you. You're pulling up Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I can see your screen, Jake. That was my guy in the draft. What was I, I wanted to say that was 2015, but 14. now that I'm looking at it, yeah, 14. I can't believe the time goes by so fast. Boston College, this guy was just like a, a freak, put him anywhere, do anything type of player, and he finally had a good year. So, yeah, that's the guy I would love if they threw money at. He was a fourth-round pick in 2014 by the Seattle Seahawks, only stuck around in Seattle for three seasons when he accumulated roughly 250 snaps in those years. Spent a year in Kansas City, got 36 snaps for the Jets in 2018 before in Chicago in 2019, got 213 snaps, which is the second most he's ever had in a season and put together a very good year. He rushed the passer quite a bit, was very effective when he did so. I don't know how much of that you credit to the player when you're an off-ball linebacker versus how much of that you credit to the scheme, but good on him for getting home. PFF has him, though, at a 70 tackle grade for the year. He missed four tackles. He had 27 tackles, but a 91 coverage grade. Solid average in run defense, solid average in tackling, but a really good coverage grade, and that's what we're looking for for the most part when we're looking at linebackers. Yeah, he was targeted 21 times, gave up 14 receptions. That's 67%, which would be fantastic. Uh, 5.9 yards per reception. He had one interception, two pass breakups. He also had 17 defensive stops in his 200 and some odd uh, snaps. He was highly productive. He's somebody that if you're draft Twitter, everyone liked Kevin Pierre-Lewis back in 2014. So there's your guy from the Bears that would be an interesting flyer. Pierre Lewis shouldn't command big money in free agency because he's only played 779 snaps in his career, and really yeah. only 213 of those have been very good. 
He's played special teams for the Bears as well, although he hasn't done it great. But that is something that the Bengals highly value when they're looking at guys that potentially are mid-level free agents. So I'm writing his name down, Jake. I'm keeping a list. We did the eliminated teams from the playoffs on Monday. Joe Tooney was the only guy we wrote down as an offensive lineman. I'm putting Kevin Pierre-Lewis as the next wave. So I got a premium list and the next wave list where I would love to add Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Maybe the idea is he's your third linebacker that you're starting to, and maybe he becomes something more than that. Quick note on Tooney and a shout out to Adam Pratt, who messaged me about this. Tooney's from the Dayton area. His family still lives there. So there are some potential ties to Cincinnati if he wants to come play locally. He's already won a couple Super Bowls, as Adam pointed out in his message. So that is a reason to think that Tooney might be interested in coming to Southwest Ohio. There's always that caution with Patriots linemen, though, that we've talked about coming from Dante Scarnecchia to any other offensive line coach. It's always a question mark. The other guy, since we should mention him since we're here, the Bears actually have a couple interesting guys. The other linebacker is Nick Kwiatkowski. Had 500 snaps this year, the most of his career. He, his rookie year of 450 and then 112 in 2018. So he's been all over the place. But a 73 overall grade on PFF, uh, 69 in coverage. So that's decent. He rushed the passer a lot also. 13 total pressures, three sacks this year. And he was targeted 34 times in coverage giving up 25 receptions. He's 26 years old. Again, that could be another type value signing where the Bengals need depth also. They do, and that's why I mentioned the special teams aspect for Pierre Lewis. But on we go to the Detroit Lions. The Lions free agent list is not terribly inspiring, and I think we're going to spend our entire time here on the Lions talking about Graham Glasgow, who you've been talking about, Joe, on Twitter for quite a while. He's a 28-year-old guard. And he'll be an unrestricted free agent for the Lions this year. Yeah, I'm very interested in Glasgow. People asked when I mentioned him, uh, is that the brother of Ryan Glasgow? Yes, it is. Also a walk-on at Michigan. These guys are overachievers. Glasgow's played, I believe, both guard positions and center. He moved over when Frank Regnow came on board. And he's been pretty good for the Lions for a long time at every position. So what do we think it would take for guys like Graham Glasgow or going back to the Bears, Kevin Pierre-Lewis? How much money? I'm not sure. Uh, looking at what they typically typically goes for fifth-year interior offensive linemen, you're at least looking at $10 million. It could get up to $15 million, depending on the interest around the league. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is somebody – he's already bounced around a little bit, but he's still young – Coming off his best stretch of games, best season, you can say, I don't think it costs much for Kevin Pierre-Lewis. He's somebody that if he's going to get $5 million, $4 million a year as a special teams third linebacker, I think that makes a lot of sense. So for Pierre-Lewis, it might be tough to get him away from Chicago if he's not going to cost a lot of money. A lot of times you see those guys stick with their teams that help them break out, especially if Chicago wants to give him a multi-year deal. I could totally see him staying there. Graham Glasgow, though, has the connection to Cincinnati with his brother. He was a third-round pick back in 2016. Like Joe said, he's been very good, been a solid player. Clint Bowling plus at guard, center, guard for the Lions for three years. So that, that is an interesting one. We've got two more teams to get to, though, and we're coming into the Bengals division looking at Bengals rivals in the AFC North in just a minute. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Switching to the other side of the table, AFC North, two teams that are obviously not the Bengals and not the Ravens as they're still playing. The Steelers and the Browns will start with the Browns. Actually, I wanted to note that I did write down Mike Daniels, also defensive tackle, who was good with the Packers. I think the Bengals could still use a three-tech, depending on what happens there. But moving quickly to the Browns, uh, I think it all comes down to Joe Schobert, the linebacker. He made a lot of plays this year. He's still young. I think Schobert is going to get a decent deal, even though his PFF grades are kind of all over the place. He's had some really great, great games. He's had some really terrible games. He's had some really great coverage grades. He's had some really terrible tackling grades over his career. So I wonder if there will be interest throughout the league in him or if it'll be a select few teams that really, really need a linebacker. I think that because of the depth at linebacker, it's Corey Littleton, Joe Schobert, and then you're looking at some guys that had limited snaps. As far Mm -hmm. as I know, I don't know of any other guys on the market that are going to be big names. So because of that alone, I think Schobert's going to earn a little bit more than he otherwise would. Because like we just talked about, good off-ball linebackers don't hit free agency often. They're scarce. And so they get these massive deals like C.J. Mosley got in New York or Quan Alexander got from the 49ers. And both those guys got hurt, of course. That isn't a reason to not sign a linebacker. But how much money do you want to spend at the position is going to be the question. And Joe Schobert, he could command a significant deal. Yeah, like we said, these guys are getting upwards of $10 million, up to $15 million for the top linebackers. And I think Littleton's probably the guy that's going to get the 13, 14, 15, a lot like Quan Alexander last year, where Schobert's probably going to get the $10 million range. He made a lot of impact plays last year, even though he dealt with a hamstring injury, he dealt with some other issues going on in Cleveland. But he had 12 pressures, two sacks, he ate, he 100 tackles, which is great, 53 defensive stops. Uh, He was targeted 64 times, only gave up 75% completion in his career, 73%. Last year, 2018, last year, 61% while while he was in coverage, which is amazingly low for a linebacker. Gave up six touchdowns last year in coverage, but did intercept four passes while breaking up four others. He also had a a pair of uh, forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. Joe Schobert was all over the place for a relatively poor Browns defense. And he was making plays, the the Browns fans that I do follow, which is a select few, the guys that I think are smart about football, all have generally had pretty positive things to say about Schobert, which is one of the reasons that you're interested. Of course, looking through Bengals colored glasses, maybe you didn't think very highly of him for the last few years, but now that he's a free agent, you got to go back with your evaluation colored glasses, take another look. But speaking of looking at rivals and thinking that everybody sucks, we've got to look at the Pittsburgh Steelers here. There are a couple of names on this list that are very interesting, and it's too bad Matt Filer is a restricted free agent, not an unrestricted guy, because he was very good for the Steelers at right tackle. But looking at the unrestricted list, there's still some interesting names. Yeah, Javon Hargrave is 
was my guy coming out of the draft. I wanted the Bengals to select him. He's now 27, but he is still really, really good. He's the third guy in that defensive line rotation where they really only have two guys in there, and it's between Tuit and Hayward. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys are cut. Maybe it's Tuit who ended up on IR. So the Steelers can afford Javon Hargrave. If not, I think he could command a pretty big salary out there. He grades well every year. He just doesn't get enough snaps to really, uh, you know, make the the type of impact I think he could make. It's interesting because Spotrac does have for him a market value, and they have his market value between fourteen point eight and fifteen point two million dollars per year on an average annual salary basis. They have him ranked as the sixth best defensive tackle in the NFL, which I think is probably a little bit high. But when you look at the guys that are free agents this year, especially the younger guys, he's probably going to be just about at the top of that list. And if he got Mm -hmm. full-time playing or full-time for defensive tackle, so 67% snaps, say, at three-tech, he could put up some pretty, some higher productivity numbers. And so it'll be interesting to watch Javon Hargrave in free agency, see if the Steelers can find a way to free up the money for him. Yeah, he's usually around the 550 snaps over his four-year career range, which is decent, but you know, not $15 million type that I think people would pay for. The most sacks he's ever had is seven. He's normally in, in the he's had three, three, and four surrounding that seven sack year. But this year, with his most snaps, he had 49 total pressures, which is significant. I think that's where he's going to get paid. I think people may look at him like a Grady Jarrett light and bring him in and he could I think for a lot of teams I think at the very least it's a positive that he won't be back with Pittsburgh I think unless they unless they got to lose one of their good guys anyways into it Hayward so that's a positive I'm not going to put his name down on our list just because I don't think the Bengals are going to spend that type of money for another defensive tackle yeah the Steelers just talking about their difficult time with their free agents going into this offseason they are not going to have cap space they're in cap hell right now They've got $33 million allocated to Ben Roethlisberger next year. You mentioned Stefan Tuitt, $15 million for him, and they can't cut him. That's a $15 million dead cap hit, so they can't Ooh. cut Tuitt. David DeCastro, a $13.6 million cap hit. Cameron Hayward, there's your cut candidate that they would never want to cut. $13 million against the cap with a $10 million savings if they were to cut him. Joe Hayden, $12.6 million. Marquise Pouncey, $11 million. I mean, they are that look at all the dead. Yeah, we're just just look by the dead cap. I mean, the Bengals have nothing like this in terms of dead cap where they can't even cut anybody. Who's the one right that? Yeah, that's Devin Bush. (laughs) Of course, that's why. But uh, yeah, we're 20 deep here and where they would barely save any money or would at least ruin their salary cap for the following year if they released a lot of these guys. Well, Mark Barron is a guy that I think would probably be a a cut candidate for them. He was not very good for them in a linebacker role. $8 million against the cap, 2.875 dead cap hit. So there's about $5 million in savings there. Mm -hmm. Vance McDonald has a team option. That's why he's highlighted red there. Ah. Vince Williams, no cap savings if they want to cut him. Anthony Ciccolo, they could save $5 million. But what are you even doing at that point? I just think that the Steelers are going to have a really hard time managing the cap this offseason. And I think the reason for all these, I mean, obviously they guarantee money where the Bengals don't. And this is great because we get to talk shit about the Steelers. Uh, but I think that some of this is from restructures, right? So they're they're moving money from salary into bonus. And, and as such, I think they're 
getting themselves into some trickier situations, looking to fit more in in the short term. I mean, Joe Hayden, twelve and a half million dollars. Come Crazy. on. Yeah, they're we're not envious of what the Steelers have going on with their their roster, their quarterback situation, and their cap situation. The other player to mention for the Steelers that the Bengals will not be in on, and I think he's a mirage, is Bud Dupree, who Spotrack again has in the sixteen-plus million dollar range. They have him as OLB number three. He had a great year. He had a career breakout year for the Steelers this year. But it was a contract year, and you see this from guys in the NFL, especially on the edge, I think, where they have big years, hit free agency, cash in, and then do nothing. But we're maybe gonna he's ask, gotten better. We're going to get asked about the Bud Dupree. Not only is he listed as an outside linebacker in all these places, and he's from Kentucky, he is not an outside linebacker, nope. just so we're, we're clear on this. He's an edge rusher. Now, maybe the Bengals want to go straight up 3-4, but this what that means is that he's either playing Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, or... Sam Hubbard's position, when you look at him, he's played 48 covered snaps last year out of his 980 snaps for Bud, for Bud Dupree. He's not a linebacker. He's a pass rusher. Yeah, and he will get paid. Somebody will absolutely bite the bullet and say, you know what, he got better this year. This is all real. And maybe it is real, but he was bad in the NFL. Despite putting up sack numbers in 2018, he wasn't productive outside of the sacks. He never looked like he would be a very good pro, but this year he, to his credit, was significantly better. Maybe it's for real. I don't think the Bengals will be the team to find out. That's a lesson for high-energy hustle defensive prospects in college football. They, it's, another guy I could think of is um, Dante Fowler, who is, right now is with the uh, the Rams, and I think he may be a free agent also. Those guys are fun to have when they're athletic and they're they're a, a final piece but you're not building around them. They're not going to consistently win. They need all the other pieces on the line to get pressure and cause chaos for them to win and clean up those sacks. He just They never end up really developing into these type of guys. It wasn't until T.J. Watt, who might be Defensive Player of the Year, right? And, and that's when you see Bud Dupree finally uh, hit his stride of what he could potentially be. Not to mention Javon Hargrave, Stephon Tewitt, right. all those guys we talked about on the defensive line for Pittsburgh that are just absolutely wrecking offensive lines. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Are we going to go into our free agent foray Friday tomorrow, Joe? Yeah, might as well. We're going to test out FanSpeak's off-season simulator and go through free agency for the Bengals. And we'll also catch up on any news notes. But I just want to remind you real quick, in case you missed any of our episodes this week, we did a farewell to Sam Weish earlier this week. We looked at free agents for the teams that were eliminated on wildcard weekend. We did a mock draft Monday. We've done a lot this week. We did a mailbag yesterday. Go check out all those episodes if you missed any of them. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. That's how we get all our interaction in. Tomorrow we'll be back. And until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.